Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, folks, we begin with some terrible breaking news today. A massacre has now occurred in Maine. The gunman, we don't mention the name of mass shooters on this show, but the gunman had been committed to a mental hospital after hearing voices, apparently, and then he was set free. So once again, we have a situation with a mass shooting where presumably law-abiding gun owners will now be blamed. There'll be an attempt, a widespread attempt by members of the media, by members of our political class to take guns away from the law-abiding because they didn't take a gun away from somebody who literally was not supposed to have a gun. Apparently, according to the UK Daily Mail, this person grappled with mental health issues, recently reported hearing voices and threatening to shoot up the military base where he served. He was committed to a mental health facility over the summer for a couple of weeks. He also had a criminal background check in 2007. In 2007, he was charged with a misdemeanor offense for DUI. He was found guilty of that as well. He was forced to pay a $500 fine. He spent 48 hours in a cell. It is not clear where exactly he is politically at this point. I mean, people are going to try and link it to his, his politics because in March, he liked a social media post from Donald Trump Jr., and um, he he posted some memes from March talking about how the how gun ownership was not the problem. He liked to post by Dinesh D'Souza at one point that talked about how banning assault weapons was a bad idea. This obviously was a person with mental illness. And I, I'm not saying that because it serves a particular agenda, but just because that happens to be the fact. That was, by the way, the notice that was put out by the main information and analysis center that's law enforcement over there calling for his capture while he was still at large. They put out a notice saying, quote, according to law enforcement, the shooter recently reported mental health issues, including hearing voices and threats to shoot up the National Guard base in Saco, Maine. This person was reported to have been committed to a mental health facility. Person is a trained firearms instructor and army reservist stationed out of that particular city. Apparently, he opened fire at two separate locations, killing at least 22 people and injuring over 60. So we'll bring you the latest on that as it continues to develop. And meanwhile, big question has arrived in American politics at this point, and that is, why is it that on campus there is such a thing as like queers for Palestine? Where is that coming from? They hate America and they hate the West. That is the common thread uniting radical college students with terrorist members of Hamas. It's why we see marches by queers for Palestine, despite the fact that queers would be summarily murdered in any Palestine. Their differences don't matter. They are, in the words of radical revolutionary author Franz Fanon, the wretched of the earth, rising up to smite the hierarchies of power. In 1961, Franz Fanon, a black radical member of the Algerian National Liberation Front, put forth a shockingly violent treatise calling for the revolution of the colonized. Pointing out the evils of colonial administration, Fanon didn't merely call for an end to colonialism, a la Gandhi. Instead, he called for violence, which he saw as purifying in all of its varied forms. His book, The Wretched of the Earth, posited that revolutionary violence would usher in the new man, free of the evils of the West. Decolonization, he wrote, is always a violent event. Decolonization, he wrote, which sets out to change the order of the world is clearly an agenda for total disorder. In its bare reality, Fanon wrote, decolonization reeks of red-hot cannonballs and bloody knives. Violence, disorder, bloody knives. That's the essence of Fanon's decolonization. The colonized must take everything from the colonizers in the name of restoring himself as a human being. Fanon writes, Quote, the gaze that the colonized subject casts at the colonists' sector is a look of lust, a look of envy, dreams of possession, every type of possession, of sitting at the colonist's table and sleeping in his bed, preferably with his wife. The colonized man is an envious man. Colonialism, he says, justifies any response. In fact, it requires any response. 
The West must be destroyed for the West has colonized. Quote, when the colonized hear a speech on Western culture, they draw their machetes or at least check to see they are close at hand, Fanon says. Such hatred of colonial power was at least somewhat understandable in Algeria, but Fanon wasn't making the case for revolutionary violence merely in Algeria. He was actually making the case for revolutionary violence pretty much everywhere. The person who made that clear was existentialist and Marxist Jean-Paul Sartre, the French intellectual. Sartre's introduction to Fanon's Wretched of the Earth makes the case not only that the colonized have an ultimate right to violence, but that the entire West must be collapsed from within for its great sins. Violence, says Sartre, quote, is man reconstructing himself. Killing a European is killing two birds with one stone, eliminating in one go oppressor and oppressed, leaving one man dead and the other man free. The only honorable thing for the West to do is join in on its cultural suicide. Quote, you who are so liberal, so humane, who take the love of culture to the point of affectation, you pretend to forget that you have colonies where massacres are committed in your name. Sartre writes, Fanon reveals to his comrades, especially to those who remain a little too westernized, the solidarity of the metropolitans with their colonial agents. Sartre says that he has carried Fanon's quote, dialectic through to its conclusion. We too, peoples of Europe, we are being decolonized, meaning the colonist inside every one of us is surgically extracted in a bloody operation. We must all recognize that we are complicit in, quote, a 1,000-year-old oppression. Our beloved values are losing their features. If you take a closer look, there is not one that isn't tainted with blood. So how do we recover? By joining in on the violence against our own civilization. Violence, says Sartre, like Achilles' spear, can heal the wounds it has inflicted. So who can we tell who our enemies are? Well, we simply attack the powerful. The colonizers are the powerful. The colonized are the powerless. Therefore, the powerful must be colonizers and the powerless, their victims. This is Sartre's logic. This is, for example, how Israel, the ultimate case of decolonization across human history, after the return of a native population to its homeland and its battle to throw off the shackles of the British mandate, became today's hottest, quote, decolonization cause. Sartre's radical call has been taken up sporadically both at home and abroad. As critical theorist Homi Baba points out in his foreword to Fanon's book, the Black Panthers found inspiration in Fanon. So did the Iranian revolutionaries who ended with the rise of the mullahs. Those revolutionaries transmuted Fanon's distinction between oppressor and oppressed into a distinction between the arrogant and the weakened, translating Fanon's Marxist-tinged radicalism into radical Islamism. But the coalition of Fanon's wretched of the earth could not materialize until the generation of Sartre came to full maturity, until the institutions of the West poisoned themselves slowly with the imbecilic suicidality of weakness. The West remained strong enough to fend off the radical alliance when it faced down the Soviet Union, but then it couldn't stand up for itself, and so it began to fall. Fast forward 60 years from Sartre, and Sartre's radicalism has now become a mass movement, a movement uniting Hamas and campus radicals, the far left, and the terrorists. Cornell West, the black Marxist radical, calls Fanon, quote, the greatest revolutionary intellectual of the mid-20th century. According to West, he compels us to acknowledge colonialism is a sustained barbaric war waged against colonized people sanctioned by Western values. What's more, colonialism, says West, is not a far-from-home problem. It means the West must be demolished. For Fanon, West says, revolutionary internationalism, anti-imperialism, anti-capitalism, anti-colonialism, anti-patriarchalism, anti-white supremacy, yields a new humanism that puts a premium on the psychic, social and political needs of poor and working peoples, a solidarity and universality from below. West explains, quote, in our present day moment of imperial decay and capitalist decrepitude, the spirit of Fanon is most manifest in any American imperialist context in the revolutionary internationalist wings of the Black Lives Matter movement and the Palestinian Lives Matter movement aligned with the boycott, divestment and sanctions effort. The coalition is now complete. The alliance of the supposedly marginalized march together arm in arm toward the destruction of the West and in particular, the United States. After all, the United States, even according to Fanon in 1961, had become the chief colonizer thanks to its power. Quote, 
Two centuries ago, a former European colony decided to catch up with Europe. It succeeded so well that the United States became a monster in which the taints, the sickness, the inhumanity of Europe have grown to appalling dimensions, unquote. The alliance to destroy the West spans the globe. And it's right here at home, too, threatening everything we stand for. If decolonization is merely a code word for attacking the powerful and the systems that supposedly sustain them, then queers for Palestine begins to make a lot of sense. That's why the same people caterwauling over the use of the wrong pronoun will celebrate the burning of babies in the Gaza envelope. As Washington Post writer Karen Atia recently retweeted after the slaughter of 1,500 Jewish civilians, quote, what did y'all think decolonization meant? Vibes? Papers? Essays? Losers? She might be evil, but she isn't wrong. In just one second, we'll get to the latest from our college campuses, where again, this coalition of funnels supposedly wretched of the earth rises. Again, we'll get to that momentarily first. Pure Talk recently announced they would alleviate $10 million in veteran debt by Veterans Day. Thanks to your support, they are 53% to that goal with two weeks to go. Think about this. The U.S. military is made up of 100% volunteers. These are men and women who are willingly sacrificing everything they have for this country. When they're done serving, they return home to a tight job market, outrageous living expenses. This is why I'm so happy a private company like PureTalk has jumped in to help. When you switch to PureTalk's lightning fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this noble cause. You can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. PureTalk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month. They offer unlimited talk text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. I use PureTalk coverage for all of my calls. You should do the same. Just go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Make that switch. Great tower network. Again, excellent coverage. You're paying less money and you're helping out veterans. Let's rally together and show unwavering support for our own veterans. Visit puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to PureTalk today. It's the right move. It's the American way. Visit puretalk.com slash Shapiro today. Again, that's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Their plans start at just $20 a month. So go check them out right now. You'll be helping out yourself and you'll also be helping out American veterans. puretalk.com slash Shapiro to make the switch. Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull & Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull & Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull & Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable, Bull & Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull & Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull & Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code BEN at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code BEN. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I can tell you their coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company 
today. PureTalk.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so as I'm mentioning, the evils on college campus have become incredibly pronounced. They span from the student body to the administration. Last night, students at Cooper Union in New York, Jewish students were actually trapped inside a building in a room and the police wouldn't allow them to leave. Now, I've been in a situation like this before personally. When I spoke at Cal State University, Los Angeles, back 2015, 2016, I remember that we were actually locked in the auditorium because there were people outside who were nearly rioting and they were attempting to beat up people attempting to get into the room. The police actually had to shut down the room and they wouldn't let anybody out because they were afraid that, that nobody would be able to be protected. It was the same story at Cooper Union last night. Here's some film of students at Cooper Union stuck in the library as pro-Hamas protesters pounded on the door. And uh, the people outside are chanting free Palestine, but then trying to bang it, open the doors to, to apparently get at the Jews. So again, anti-Zionism rearing its ugly head as anti-Semitism. Over at the University of Washington, Seattle, they held themselves a pro-Hamas rally where they extolled the virtues of people who murder Jews. Uh, we know that sometimes there are Zionist pro-Israel counter-protests at these actions. And if you see them, you don't have to engage with them. We're doing our best to de-escalate them, to move them away. We don't want Israel to exist. We don't want these Zionist counter-protesters to exist. We can't control that. Mm. What we can control is ourselves. We can uh, choose to focus on our demands today. We want UW to cut ties with weapons companies. UW to condemn the attacks against Palestinian students. I mean, they're, they're just, uh, they're just saying the thing, right? Israel. We don't want Israel to exist. We don't want these people to exist. Well, I mean, saying the quiet part out loud uh, is, is par for the course around here over at Princeton. People were shouting, long live the Intifada. The Intifada is a violent uprising. That's what an Intifada is. So they're not just calling for a two-state solution. That is a lie. Anybody who says, long live the Intifada, what they mean is violent attacks on civilians. That's what the Intifada is. Here were protesters in Princeton doing this. Again, these are America's top universities. Over at George Washington University, students the other night decided they would project pro-Hamas slogans onto the walls of various buildings. One said, free Palestine from the river to the sea, which, of course, is a call for genocide. It is one of the slogans of Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Palestinian Authority. The river to the sea would be the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. That means the extermination of every Jew in that region. This was projected on the walls over George Washington. Just in case they weren't clear enough, they also projected the slogan, glory to our martyrs. Their martyrs would be, you know, members of Hamas who are raping children so hard that they broke their pelvises. That's from medical reports on the ground over there. And these are these are the genius students who either are on a student visa, which means we should expel them. If you have a student visa and you're in the United States, this does not give you the right to be a terror supporter. We have no obligation to extend our hand open to you as Americans if you support terror groups. None at all. You should leave and you should leave forthwith. You should go hang out with your terrorist buddies elsewhere. It's it's absolutely insane that universities have have become this. The uh, the George the George Washington University administration uh, they put out a statement in the aftermath of this Students for Justice in Palestine, a group that has now been banned in the state of Florida for supporting terrorism. Students for Justice in Palestine claimed credit for all of this. They also put out a statement saying, quote, these events have only reaffirmed what every Palestinian knows deeply. We'll see a liberated Palestine within our lifetime. The settler colony 
will fall. Our land will be liberated. We will return to our homes again. Palestine will be free from the river to the sea. Again, there you see that language of Fanon, the settler colony, the settler colony. And again, everybody sort of understands why radical Islamists want to destroy Israel and kill the Jews. The question has always been, why queers for Palestine? Why the, why the fellow travelers? And the answer is, when you build a coalition that is explicitly designed to tear away at the West, and Israel is an element of that coalition, the alliance rides again. That's why. The demonstration, by the way, also attacked the university administration. And then um, the university put out a pretty weak statement suggesting that they uh, they were unhappy with all of this. But the statement said, quote, on Tuesday evening, the university became aware of several unauthorized projections on a campus building. The projections on the university's library violated university policy. Leadership intervened to ensure these projections were removed. The statements made by these individuals in no way reflect the views of the university. We're reviewing this incident and we'll take any appropriate steps. We recognize the distress, hurt, and pain this has caused for many members of our community. Well, th- thank you for your vague statements of, uh, of support. Really, really much appreciated. But again, nobody's hiding the ball. Over at Berkeley, protesters openly say they support Hamas. Here's one of them. I support them 100%. Okay. Who, who filmed that? Who the f- is this guy Palestine on our campus? 100%. You just said you support terrorists. No, I didn't. We got it on the We got it on the We got it on the Okay, so everything is going incredible. But by the way, it's not just the student body. It is many, many members of faculty at America's top universities. We'll get to that momentarily. First, balance of nature. Fruits and veggies to great make sure that you're getting the essential nutritional ingredients you need every single day. Balance of nature uses an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and veggies into whole food supplements without sacrificing their natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules are, you know, fruits and veggies. There's never been an easier way to make sure that you're getting your daily dose of fruits and veggies. Balance of Nature has sent a bunch of fruit and veggie capsules down to the studio. I love them. They're kosher, so that means that I can actually use them. Makes my busy schedule much more manageable. means that, um, you know, I'm not great about eating my vegetables, so I get the nutrition that I require. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro. Get 35% off your first preferred order. Again, balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro if you're like me. And veggies, they're just, they're just God's revenge on humanity. Well, you still need to get the nutrients from the veggies. Balance of Nature can help make that happen. Again, I've tried them. I use them. They're great. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro. Get 35% off your very first order as a preferred customer. Okay, so, and it's also the administration and faculty at many of these universities. The UC Ethnic Studies Faculty Council wrote a letter to all of the University of California Board of Regents. First of all, professionally useless people. Ethnic studies departments are garbage. Like full scale, full stop, they're garbage. But they wrote a letter and um, they um, say in the strongest possible terms, the UC Ethnic Studies Faculty Council at University of California, a diverse statewide body representing over 300 faculty system-wide, rejects recent UC administrative communications that distort and misrepresent the unfolding genocide of Palestinians in Gaza and thereby contribute to the racist and dehumanizing erasure of Palestinian daily reality. In light of the history and statements by the UC regions demonizing the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement and other forms of Palestinian solidarity, we have no confidence the UC administration comprehends or respects its obligations. It is deeply distressing the UC and other higher institutions' administrative statements in the last week and a half that irresponsibly wield charges of terrorism and unprovoked aggression have contributed to a climate that has made Palestinian students and community members unsafe. Yeah, this is the the big lie. I'm really enjoying the big lie. The, the people who really feel unsafe on campus these days are obviously the pro-Hamas protesters who are marching en masse through campuses and threatening people. By the way, how pathetic are our university students? They're so pathetic that a Brandeis University, which was founded by the American Jewish community, 
At Brandeis University, student leaders voted 10 to 6 not to condemn Hamas. Not to condemn Hamas. Yoni Khan, a senior at the university, said that he stands with Palestinians, but this is still about condemning an extremist organization, but he was, uh, you know, in the minority. So uh, amazing stuff there from Brandeis. So again, this is a group of young, highly educated, usually upper-class students who are fully in league with the ideology of terrorism because Hamas is just part of the violent coalition to tear down the civilization. So they have to stand by their buddies. And, And what that means is that also there's a sense of tremendous entitlement from these folks. They're entitled to a job from you. They're entitled to your taxpayer dollars. They're entitled to your support. Probably the best example of this that I've seen over the past few years is a person named Rina Workman. Rina Workman is a, a member of the NYU Student Council. In fact, uh, Rina Workman is the um, student, the, the NYU Law School's Student Bar Association president. So she was caught on camera defacing posters of kidnapped Israelis. Uh, so th- this, is, this is something that has become unbelievably common and, and pretty shocking because these are just posters of people who are literally being held hostage by a terrorist group and pro-Hamas people. You can't call these pro-Palestinian people because this has nothing to do with, with being pro-Palestinian people. I mean, if it does, then I think you're getting the issue wrong. They're literally tearing down posters of, of kidnapped children or defacing them. Here's Rhino Workman doing just that. Hey, guys, look what they're doing. Right center. You guys want to say your name or no? I don't want to tell you my name. You guys want to put your name? Really? You guys scared? I'm not scared. At least say your name. If you're going to do it, do it with pride. If you're going to do it, do it with pride. I'm very proud. I just don't want to so, talk so to So what's you. your name? Say it to the whole world. I'll sign to every single firm. Say, look, say your name. Look what they're doing. They're doing over these hostage signs. The children that are dying in Israel. Look, look what they're doing. And, um, and of course... She had nothing to say. She's just standing there. Of course, she's not giving her name. Well, she had her her job at a law firm rescinded because it turns out the law firms don't like to employ terrorist sympathizers. It's not it's not their biggest thing. So what does that mean? Well, it means it's time for the media to jump in and finally talk about free speech on college campuses. Wow, that is amazing. So when speakers like me get banned from, say, DePaul University, that's not national news. It is definitely national news when you don't get a job being a terrorist sympathizer. That's really the issue. So here is ABC News covering Rhino Workman. I mean, the, the sense of absolute entitlement from these privileged, petty, pathetic left-wingers who, again, are in league with the quote-unquote wretched of the earth according to Fanon. It's, it's really, it's quite disgusting. And people should realize how revolutionary the implications are. Here is Rhino Workman declaring that not only is she entitled to tear down posters of kidnapped children, she's entitled to a job from you. And if you don't give it to her, it's because you're discriminatory. If you were to redo the letter, obviously with the benefit of hindsight, anything you would have done differently? I think I will continue to speak up for Palestinian human rights and use whatever platform I have available to me to call for a ceasefire and, you know, in this occupation that's harming the Palestinians. I'm going to just try one more time. Would you change anything, even the timing of it? Because some people felt it was too soon because your letter came before Israel even launched any kind of retaliation. I think it's important to note that the genocide happening right now did not start on October 7th. It started over 75 years ago. And that was what my message was intended to get across, Mm. was that we are seeing violence happening that is part of a much larger 
uh, structural violence uh, system that is happening in Palestine right now. Do you condemn structural violence? Hamas's right, that's that's the idea. Right, settler colonialism. I, I think what I use my platform for and who I condemn was pretty clear by my message, and I think that I will continue to condemn apartheid and military occupation. And that in this moment, I'm focused so no, that's on no. calling for an end to genocide and calling for an immediate ceasefire. Do you think that in this space that we're in right now, there's room to have empathy for the Israelis who lost their lives, who were brutalized, who were raped, and also empathy for the Palestinians who are similarly losing their lives? Yeah, I think right now, if you turn on any mainstream channel, you'll see the stories of Israelis on every screen you look to. And so I think for me, I will continue to use my platform to uplift the voices of Palestinians and the struggles they're going through. Because right now we have I mean, over 5,000 This is This is the whole thing in one human. Lost. The whole thing. The Rhino Workman, we can pause it there. Rhino Workman uses they, them pronouns. Rhino Workman considers herself, obviously woman, considers herself to be a member of Queers for a Liberated Palestine. And that's what this is. That's what this is. She put out a statement before Israel actually did anything condemning Israel for the dead Jews. That's what she did. Why? Because again, it's part of the broader rubric of marginalized of the earth, unite and tear down the quote unquote colonizers. By colonizers, they just mean anybody who has power. Whether that power is, is gotten usefully or not, whether the powerful are moral or whether they're not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as you are a member of a quote-unquote marginalized community, it's the coalition to destroy the systems that really matters. And that should scare everybody because that's a lot of your kids. That's a lot of people that your, your kids are going to school with at college campuses. That is a rising movement on the left, and it is very strong. It is not a tiny minority on college campuses. There is a reason why you can barely get 50% of young people in the United States to say that Hamas is a terrorist group. There's a reason for that. And that's not, that's not an Israel issue. That's a West issue. The West has a serious, serious problem on its hands. We'll get to more of this momentarily first. The October 15th tax deadline has just passed. I know many of you might be dreading the stress of filing your taxes. Filing those taxes can be a long, excruciating process. But if you fail to file, you'll start to pile penalties on your tax debt. That's why you need to check out Tax Network USA. The team at Tax Network USA has a track record of success. They've reduced tax debts for numerous clients totaling over a billion dollars. Whether you're looking at 10000 bucks or a million dollar tax debt, they can help you with a settlement. Doesn't matter if you haven't filed in a year, five years, even a whole decade. Tax Network USA is equipped to secure the best settlement for you. Their expert attorneys and tax professionals can help resolve all tax cases, no matter how they started. Don't let tax debt control your life any longer. Take the first step to resolving your tax issues by visiting taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro. That's taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro. Today, again, tax debt can totally destroy you if you let it get out of control. It can take over your life. It can wreck your life for decades. So why not get it back under control by visiting taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro and get in touch with their expert attorneys and tax professionals who can help resolve your tax case with the IRS and fix your life. Get it back on track. Taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro to get started. Okay, again, it, this, this is not just this issue of the supposed coalition of the oppressed against Western civilization. It's bled up. It's not, it, it started at the university level with pseudo-intellectuals promoting it. People like Edward Said promoting it. People like Angela Davis promoting it. But, it. but it's bled up into all aspects of American society, most obviously including our media, to the extent that the New York Times at this point is literally defending, rehiring a freelance writer who praised Hitler. Not kidding you. According to Jewish News Service, Palestinian filmmaker Soliman Hiji, who has posted on social media of being in a state of harmony as Hitler was during the Holocaust and wrote, how great you are, Hitler has been rehired 
by the New York Times. He freelanced for the New York Times from 2018 until 2021. And since October 12th, he's had nine bylines. He's, he's just writing for the New York Times again. Amazing. The New York Times, they said, we received, we reviewed problematic social media posts by Hiji when they first came to light in 2022 and took a variety of actions to ensure he understood our concerns and could adhere to our standards. Oh, you mean the standards of not being a Hitler supporter or the standards of being a Hitler supporter or silent on genocide like the New York Times was the first time around? And this is bled up into the media. And, and the way that the media do this in a softer fashion is they just set up this, this full-scale moral equivalence. They pretend that you don't actually have a moral obligation to take sides in a battle between genocidal terrorists and legitimate states. So the New York Times put out an entire opinion video piece saying you don't have to take sides. There's nothing, there's nothing that suggests you have to take sides against terror groups that, that burn babies alive. It, 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 there's nothing that suggests that. Here is the New York Times putting out a full-scale opinion video equating Israeli advocates with like Hamas advocates. It's amazing stuff. Where is your humanity? You don't have to pick a side. There's no equivocating this. And your silence is deafening. You gotta pick a side. You better pick a side. I don't know how you can sit there and say, I don't support either side. What's your opinion on the war in the Middle East? I'm afraid I'm gonna have to insist on an answer. There are wars raging all across our small planet. But today, you're only required to take a stance on one. Compassion for humanity is a good thing. So what about the more than 300,000 people who've died in Nigeria? The roughly 60,000 who've disappeared what in What does Mexico? The Rock think about the Rohingya? What is Justin Bieber doing to solve the crisis in Yemen? Where did the Mets stand on the war in By Congo? the way, there, there, there are a bunch of these conflicts that people do have opinions about. Like a lot of them. It, 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 it's so, they're so gross. They're so gross. Well... Suddenly, suddenly, the New York Times is saying you don't have to have a moral opinion on this stuff. The New York Times spends its days asking every single Republican if a Republican makes a bad comment anywhere. Every Republican must now have an opinion on that thing. The, apparently, there's only one issue where you don't have to have an opinion, according to the New York Times. And that happens to be, you know, where Muslims are murdering Jews en masse and calling for their extermination. When that happens, suddenly the New York Times goes full on. Well, you know, there are other things happening in the world. Again, many of the conflicts that they mentioned right there, you should have an opinion on. You should have an opinion on the Chinese government keeping Muslims in concentration camps in China. Some of us have expressed that opinion many, many times. By the way, the, the idea of the New York Times doesn't say you have to have an opinion on Ukraine versus Russia is insane. The New York Times has been pushing that for years at this point. But again, the moral equivocation is just cover for terrorism. That's all it is. It's, it's PR cover for terrorism. So I'll give you the latest on the ground right now in Israel. Right now, the Israelis last night performed their largest ground assault since the beginning of this particular round of conflict, since October 7th. They sent some tanks in to areas in the northern Gaza Strip. They, um, it was a limited raid ahead of any sort of potential ground offensive. There are a lot of rumors that Biden has been trying to convince the Israelis to delay the ground offensive. Israel, for its own part, is still kind of deciding when it wishes to go, what it wishes to do, and all the rest. The, the suggestion was that Biden wanted a delay so that the United States could get more defensive weaponry in place to protect our troops abroad, which, by the way, we should have had originally, except that Joe Biden was too busy playing nice and playing footsie with the mullahs to actually defend our troops. That happens to be the case even now. But here was Joe Biden yesterday saying that he did not call for a delay on a ground invasion. Have you sought assurances from him that he will hold off on a ground invasion into Gaza until the safe relief release of the hostages can be assured? And of course, those include uh, 10 unaccounted for Americans. No. 
What I have indicated to him is that if that's possible to get these folks out safely, that's what he should do. It's their decision. But I did not demand it. I pointed out to him, if it's real, it should be done. Now, to his credit, Biden was asked about the, the numbers from the Gaza Strip. And he said, you know, we're getting all those numbers from Hamas. I take them with a grain of salt, which, you know, good for him for actually saying this, since the administration has so far not really done that. If I may very quickly, in the 18 days since Hamas, Hamas killed 1,400 Israelis, the Hamas-controlled Gaza Health Ministry says Israeli forces have killed over 6,000 Palestinians, including 2,700 children. You've previously asked Netanyahu to minimize civilian casualties. Do these numbers say to you that he is ignoring that message? What they say to me is I have no notion that Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed. I'm sure innocents have been killed, and it's the price of waging a war. I think we should be incredibly careful. I think not we, the Israelis should be incredibly careful to be sure that they're focusing on going after the folks that are the pro- pro- propagating this war against Israel. And, uh, and it's against their interest when that doesn't happen. But I have no confidence in the number that the Palestinians are using. Again, embedded in that is, is Joe Biden's usual garbage about how Israel has to be so careful about civilian casualties. You really have to warn the Israelis, what we talked about yesterday on the show. Meanwhile, Biden is trying to figure out exactly what to do with the fact that Iran is getting very, very spicy with regard to Americans in the region. According to The Washington Post, President Biden faces mounting pressure to strike Iranian proxies that have repeatedly attacked and injured U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria this month. But he's weighing any decision to retaliate against his broader concern that the war in Gaza could be on the precipice of erupting into a region-wide tempest. Well, the, the truth is, the thing that will keep it from erupting into a region-wide tempest is if the United States makes clear that if you injure our troops, we will stomp on you like a fly. Like that, that historically has been the American way of doing business in these places. And that has, in fact, worked. When, when American troops are attacked, the only way to push people off of doing that is to make it very clear to them that if they do that, they and their buddies die. And there's a reason that Donald Trump did this exactly right. When he was the president of the United States, if there were attacks on American troops, Donald Trump responded in kind. And he did so with alacrity. It was, it was Donald Trump who pulled the trigger on Qasem Soleimani. And he was totally correct to do that, considering that Soleimani had helped plan the death of thousands of American troops in Iraq. Biden said on Wednesday that he warned Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, Iran's supreme leader, that if Tehran continues to move against U.S. forces in the Middle East, we will respond. But so far, there really has been no response yet. And it's that sort of lack of clarity that is leading to an escalation. So obviously, you know, it it makes some sense that if there is going to be a base of attack, Iran, an insurgent group that is using a a base of attack in order to attack Americans, droning them to death would, would probably be a proper solution for all of that. Meanwhile, by the way, the Biden administration just let in the Iranian foreign minister to the United States. He met with Hamas five seconds ago to cheer with them. I don't understand why the United States is granting temporary visas to to terrorists and and terror supporters. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. By the way, this whole thing, of course, has been pretty embarrassing for the Biden administration. Even more embarrassing since Jake Sullivan, who is the national security advisor to, to Joe Biden, he wrote an essay in Foreign Affairs magazine before the October 7th attacks in which he bragged about a bunch of supposed foreign policy successes, they had to edit it because there was a passage in it about how they'd done an amazing job in the Gaza Strip. Quote, the Israeli-Palestinian situation is tense, particularly in the West Bank. But in the face of serious frictions, we have de-escalated crises in Gaza and restored direct diplomacy between the parties after years of its absence. That's what Jake Sullivan wrote like five minutes before Hamas launched the deadliest attack on Jews since World War II. Quote, the region is quieter than it has been for decades. The progress is fragile, to be sure, but it is also not an accident. 
Biden's approach returns discipline to U.S. policy. It emphasizes deterring aggression, de-escalating conflicts, and integrating the region. Yeah, it's worked out amazingly, amazingly well. They had to cut all of that from Sullivan's embarrassing essay. Okay, well, in other news in the United States, actually good news in the United States for a change, the Republicans have now actually put a Speaker of the House in place. I know. I'm amazed, too. And it's like basic functionality of the, of the Congress. But the person they put in place, Mike Johnson, he's excellent. I think he'll do a great job. By the way, I thought Jim Jordan would have been excellent. I thought he would have done. I thought Steve Scalise was excellent. I thought he would have done a great job. I thought Kevin McCarthy was doing a fine job. So in other words, we basically traded a conservative Speaker of the House for another conservative Speaker of the House. You can like Mike Johnson better than Kevin McCarthy on, on his personal policies and predilections. In a second, I want to talk about the incentive structure. And what actually happens once he's Speaker of the House? Because as I've said before, every Speaker of the House is going to face the same incentive structure. And so if you're expecting a radical shift in Republican policy to occur because Mike Johnson is Speaker as opposed to McCarthy, you got another thing coming. But is it good that Johnson is in place? Absolutely. Does he seem kind of awesome? Yeah, you bet he does. We'll get to that in just one second. First, Bone Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Their products help you sleep better, perform better, recover faster, reduce inflammation, and so much more. From blue light glasses to red light therapy, Bone Charge products help you naturally address the issues of our modern day way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. If you haven't checked out their infrared sauna blanket, you need to. The infrared sauna blanket has all kinds of benefits. I've tried it myself. It's awesome. It works by using infrared light, which heats the body rather than the air around you like a traditional sauna, which means you get the same benefits at a lower heat. Sweating helps flush out the toxins, makes you feel better, raises your heart rate to that of physical exercise so you can even burn some calories while you relax. Bone Charge ships worldwide. It offers exceptional customer service. Comes with a 12-month warranty, so you really have nothing to lose. Go to bonecharge.com slash Ben. Use code Ben. Save 15% today. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash Ben. Use code Ben. Save 15% today. When it comes to that infrared sauna blanket, basically it's all the benefits of sauna without having to sit sweaty and, uh, and unclothed in a weird room with some dudes. Instead, you can put that blanket on. Get the sauna on. It's great. Go to bonecharge.com slash Ben. Use code Ben to save 15%. Also, you've been asking us for a year for an alternative in kids' media, someplace safe you can put your kids. It's here. The Daily Wire has launched Bent Key. It's our brand new entertainment platform for kids. You know about it. I've told you about it. It's fantastic. My kids love all of the programming. It's got great live programming, live action programming. It's got great cartoon programming, like a lot of awesome stuff. The content is absolutely great. Again, all my kids love it across the age range, nine, seven, three. Bent Key is available to download right now. If you're already a Daily Wire Plus member, good news, you already have access to Bent Key. That's a $99 value you got completely free. Just download that app, start streaming right now. If you're not a member, there's never been more value to joining than right now. You get all of the Daily Wire Plus content you know and love, plus Bent Key at no additional cost. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now. Start streaming the next generation of kids entertainment. Okay, meanwhile, so finally some good news for Republicans. Apparently, Republicans last night, they decided to stop kicking themselves directly in the nads. And instead, they decided to actually vote in favor of Mike Johnson. So Mike Johnson, somebody that I would say most of America had not heard of, like ever. He was only elected to Congress fairly recently. He hasn't been in Congress all that long. He is a, a congressman from Louisiana. According to Politico, his anonymity in Washington was the driving force in his election as speaker because he hadn't made any enemies yet. He became the unlikely leader of an unruly group of House Republicans who will now rely on him to run their side of the Capitol. He was next to no one's first pick. But again, everybody else had a high profile, and that meant that he was the guy who kind of sneak in under the radar. 
Now Johnson must figure out how to achieve what McCarthy couldn't compromise that doesn't prompt a mutiny. Now, he's going to have an easier time with that. The reason he's going to have an easier time with that than McCarthy did is because he's not named Kevin McCarthy. Seriously, that it's that simple. Matt Gates and a few of his crew decided they hated McCarthy. And so what that meant is that any compromise that McCarthy cut was going to be seen as treason by Gates and company and used as an excuse to get rid of McCarthy. Well, now Johnson is going to come in. He's going to do kind of exactly what McCarthy did because the incentive structure is precisely the same. So to take an example, McCarthy just cut a continuing resolution. He cut it with some Democrats. The reason he had to do that is because he had a better continuing resolution deal that was scuttled by Gates and company. Then after McCarthy actually did the continuing resolution to fund the government, that's when he was ousted by Gates and company. Well, now Mike Johnson is going to come in and you know what he's proposing? Continuing resolutions, the same sort of stuff. Now he can pass a bunch of single issue bills, supposedly. He can pass the appropriations bills, do the process and all of that. But Democrats are going to reject it and he's going to come back to doing continuing resolutions. Now, the thing is that because Gates ousted McCarthy and because Johnson is the new speaker, he has an incentive, Gates does, in making Johnson appear to be better than McCarthy, which means that he's not going to yell and scream about any deal that Johnson cuts. So inherently, Johnson has more leeway to cut deals and make deals than McCarthy did, mainly because all the people who would be incentivized to get rid of somebody for the publicity already did that. And so they can't do it again. They have to play this as though they, they achieved some sort of massive win by substituting Johnson for McCarthy. And again, the policy is going to come out almost exactly the same. It's going to be very, very, very similar. Now, the fact is that Johnson has a lot less experience than McCarthy in this space. Again, this is not a rip on Johnson. Johnson's great. I'm going to go through his opening speech in a second when he, when he won the speakership. And it's excellent. It's really, really, really good. I, I happen to resonate to an enormous amount of what Johnson says. As a speaker, I think he's way more appealing than, than Kevin McCarthy was. However, the Speaker of the House's job is not just to be a, a, a person who speaks well and a person who communicates well. The Speaker of the House essentially has several jobs. One is to, yeah, speak well and, and maintain policy positions. But the kind of bigger aspects are vote counting, vote whipping, rewarding allies and punishing enemies, getting together your coalition, actually do things. And that requires a lot of back scratching, requires a lot of maneuvering, it requires the kind of Machiavellian stuff that McCarthy was actually pretty good at. I don't know if Johnson has a lot of experience. Maybe he's great at it. We don't know. He's never done it before. The speaker also is supposed to fundraise for pretty much all the Republicans across the board. So McCarthy, over the course of his time in House leadership, raised almost half a billion dollars for various House Republican candidates, including many of the same people who then ousted him. Mike Johnson in the last election cycle, you wouldn't expect him to raise tens of millions of dollars. He's one guy running in an uncontested district in Louisiana. Mike Johnson in his last election cycle raised $1.3 million. So can he translate that over into raising hundreds of millions of dollars for fellow candidates? McCarthy, when recruited a bunch of candidates in purple districts, Johnson hasn't really done that yet. So again, he's going to have to prove that he can do all of the hard-nosed things that McCarthy could do. And there's a lot of parliamentary procedure to being Speaker of the House. It's not like anybody can just walk in the front door and suddenly transform the place. If you don't file a bill at the proper time, Democrats could sneak in. They could flip the bill. Like There really are a lot of procedural complexities. Now, Johnson may very well be able to handle it. We just don't know. Okay, so the, the notion that, that things are going to radically change in the House now that it's Johnson as opposed to McCarthy is really silly. Now, again, none of that's a rip on Johnson. It is a rip on Gates and team. The idea that the Cates and team achieved some sort of massive material victory by throwing the House into full-on chaos for three weeks and demonstrating the fractiousness and idiocy of, of part of the Republican caucus, I don't buy it. I don't see it. And that, that is without reference to what happens going forward with, with Johnson. And so here are a few things about Mike Johnson that are, are kind of awesome. So Mike Johnson 
very, very socially conservative. He has a 90% lifetime rating from Heritage Action, 92% from the American Conservative Union. He is very much in favor of cutting spending, which is something, by the way, a lot of the MAGA type are not really big in favor of. They kind of like the spending, depending on who they are. He's very strong on abortion, extremely pro-life. He has an A-plus rating from the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America group. He used to work as a senior legal counsel for the Alliance Defense Fund. And uh, he is anti-same-sex marriage, for example. He has been historically, which, by the way, is the historically correct position of the Republican Party, that a man and a woman are marriage and that any other form of human relationship is not the same morally or sociologically. He, um, he was involved in the attempts to, to stall certification of the election post-2020. And this is being used as a club by Democrats already. He devised an argument that was actually the only good argument that was made in the aftermath of November 7th, which is essentially that a lot of states like Pennsylvania had unilaterally shifted their voting laws so as to benefit Democrats in ways that were legal. That was like the only good legal argument that was made during that entire spectacle. Johnson was the one making those arguments. And he said some stuff during that time that, frankly, is ridiculous. Right? He, he called into question the voting systems and cited Venezuela. And it was Sidney Powell kind of stuff. But he is now moving away from that. I assume that he's going to ignore all of that. That doesn't mean Democrats aren't going to jump on it, which we'll get to in a moment. But Johnson gave a really quite beautiful speech last night on becoming Speaker of the House. He opened by thanking Kevin McCarthy. I want to express my great thanks for our Speaker Emeritus, Kevin McCarthy. Kevin has dedicated over two decades of his life to selfless public service, 16 of those years in this House. And you would be hard-pressed to find anybody who loves this institution more or has contributed more to it. He is the reason we're in this majority today. So he started off with that. He then moved on to the fact that it's time to get back to work, which of course is true. This has not been a good moment for the Republican Party. They look like clowns. So restoring some sort of semblance of dignity to the Republican caucus would certainly be a plus. I want to say to the American people on behalf of all of us here, we hear you. We know the challenges you're facing. We, we know that... Uh, that there's a lot going on in our country, domestically and abroad, and we are ready to get to work again to solve those problems, and we will. Our mission here is to serve you well, to restore the people's faith in this house, in this great and essential institution. He continued along these lines. He said that the pride in the institution is in jeopardy, and it's time to restore that pride. That, of course, is true as well. And, And I think... All of our parents are proud of what we're called to do here. I think all the American people at one time had great pride in this institution. But right now, um, that's in jeopardy. And we have a challenge before us right now to rebuild and restore that trust. He's, of course, right about that as well. Now, on principle, he's a very strong traditional conservative. He's pretty hawkish on foreign policy. He voted against some of the Ukraine appropriations bills. That would probably be the biggest distinction between him and McCarthy is that McCarthy was pro-funding for Ukraine. And in the initial response, Mike Johnson was pro-funding of Ukraine. And then after we gave them like $100 billion, then he started to get skittish about it. And he suggested he is not in favor of that. But that's also where the Republican caucus is. The possibility of passing large-scale Ukraine funding on a standalone basis was a non-starter inside the caucus anyway. That's obviously the direction that the Republican Party has moved. We'll get to more from Mike Johnson in just one second, the new Speaker of the House. First, we do things very differently here at Daily Wire. 
We host a lot of huge podcasts, of course. We launched a chocolate company overnight. We're constantly growing. We're constantly expanding. Well, this is why we rely on ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter makes your whole hiring process faster and easier. Their powerful technology works for you to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. ZipRecruiter saves you time by letting you easily invite your top candidates to apply to your job so they're more likely to apply sooner. ZipRecruiter is trusted by millions of people. In fact, over 3.8 million businesses trust ZipRecruiter with their hiring needs. Make a positive impact on your hiring future with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter will get a quality candidate within day one. Again, we're constantly hiring. We're constantly growing here at Daily Wire. We rely extremely heavily on ZipRecruiter.com. You can do the same. Head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Again, that is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. You should try it. You should use it the same way that we do. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. Instead, use ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire to find the world's best employees. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. So Mike Johnson, again, his, his speech last night was excellent. When he got to his principles, this is particularly good. So Mike Johnson ticked off a lot of the left last night when before he assumed his speakership position, he actually knelt in prayer with a bunch of other members of the Republican caucus. And this, of course, is very bad. We're not supposed to do this. It's super offensive to, you know, pay tribute to God after you achieve something of the magnitude of becoming Speaker of the House in the United States of America. That, of course, is is deeply offensive, deeply problematic, clearly. I mean, being Rashida Tlaib and being an actual terror supporter, okay, according to Democrats. Kneeling for prayer on the floor of the House, that, of course, is a huge problem. You're allowed to kneel in kente cloth for George Floyd. You're just not allowed to do it for God uh, without the kente cloth. In any case, Mike Johnson, uh, he said last night that it's time to reject atheism and Marxism. In 1962, in 1962, that, that our national motto, in God we trust, was adorned above this rostrum. And if you look at the little uh, guide that they give uh, tourists and constituents who come and, and, and visit the house, if you turn in there to about page 14 in the middle of that guide, it tells you the history of this. And it says very simply, these words were placed here above us. This motto was placed here as a rebuke of the Cold War era philosophy of the Soviet Union. That philosophy was Marxism and communism. So obviously uh, he is slapping at some members of the left. Then he listed what he called the seven core principles of conservatism. Uh, these are pretty traditional. I think it's really quintessentially the core principles of our nation. I boil them down to individual freedom, limited government, the rule of law, peace through strength, fiscal responsibility, free markets, and human dignity. Those, those are the foundations that made us the extraordinary nation that we are. And you and I today are the stewards of those principles. Okay, that sounds pretty traditionally conservative to me. I mean, in there I heard, you know, peace through strength, which is something that a lot of people are not big fans of these days. I heard fiscal responsibility, something a lot of people on the right are not big fans of these days. So again, the idea that he's some sort of like wild departure from traditional conservatism is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He's a traditional conservative, which is good. A traditionally conservative Speaker of the House would be a very good thing. I hope that he pulls the levers in a more conservative direction than House leadership has been able to do. I also understand, as I've said, the incentive structure. And the incentive structure means he has a Democrat Senate, he's a Democrat president of the United States, and he has an extremely thin majority in the House. And all it takes is a few grandstanders to make it so that he has to cut a deal with Democrats again. In the initial run, I expect that he's going to get the support of many of the people who ousted McCarthy. So those aren't going to be the people who buck him. But as time progresses, he'll have the exact same incentive structure as everyone else. So was this like a big giant win for the Republican Party? Again, really like Mike Johnson, like in a ton of ways. Love Mike Johnson. Love him on foreign policy. Love him on, uh, like, again, across the board, excellent, excellent choice for Speaker of the House. Can he pull the levers in a sophisticated way? We have yet to see that. Was this like overall an amazing move for Republicans, like a much needed change? 
let's let's hold our fire on that one. Was Matt Gates a strategic genius for throwing the house into complete chaos for a month to do this? Uh, no, no, he was not. And any attempts to retcon that are, are, are pretty ridiculous. Well, regardless of what the Democrats are saying, Johnson's first move was a good move. He announced last night that the very first move that he was going to make as Speaker of the House was to push a resolution to support Israel and then a bill to support Israel in its war against Hamas. Here is what he had to say. The first bill that I'm going to bring to this floor in just a little while will be in support of our dear friend Israel, and we're overdue in getting that done. We're going to show not only Israel, but the entire world that the barbarism of Hamas that we have all seen play out on our television screens is wretched and wrong, and we are going to stand for the good in that conflict. Okay, good for Johnson. He's very strong on that particular issue. That resolution did pass last night, 412 to 10. The nay votes were, except for Thomas Massey, who basically just doesn't like government spending on anything, which, okay. The other nine nay votes were exactly who you would think they were. Jamal Bowman, Corey Bush, Andre Carson, Al Green, Summer Lee, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Delia Ramirez, Rashida Tlaib. And there were six present votes as well. Again, more radicals, Ayanna Presley, Greg Kasar of Texas, Joaquin Castro, Chuy Garcia, Pramila Jayapal, Nidia Velasquez, exactly who you would assume it to be. So again, I think that um, it's good to get the House back in working order. Uh, good for good for Mike Johnson, and uh, it's time for the House to get back to work. Meanwhile, the Democrats are revving it up, as they would with pretty much any conservative who ended up as House Speaker. And they are they're going to try and now demonize Mike Johnson as a radical so that they can fundraise off of it. This is what they're going to do. According to Politico, well, Mike Johnson might have been an obscure four-term Congress member before Wednesday, but if Democrats have their way, he'll soon be well-known by every American as an election denier, an anti-abortion extremist, a slasher of Social Security and Medicare. Democrats are determined to define Johnson in the public eye before he has a chance to define himself. Democrats said on Wednesday they were hurriedly digging into Johnson's record. There were 69 episodes of his podcast on Spotify, which Johnson co-hosts with his wife, many of which touch on hot-button political topics. One Democratic operative was quick to spotlight one such episode as indicative of the goldmine they believe is about to be discovered, a June 5th show in which the Johnsons spotlighted an initiative to turn Pride Month into Fidelity Month, which uh, sounds kind of great, actually. Like, please go after him on that one. The DCCC sent a memo to House Democrats saying House Republicans may be breathing a short-sighted sigh of relief now they've elected a new speaker, but their decision to elevate an anti-abortion extremist who has pushed to gut Social Security and Medicare and who is one of the main architects of the illegal attempt to overturn the 2020 election will lose them the majority in 2024. You can see them already activating the strategy. Here was Hakeem Jeffries yesterday. He's the House Minority Leader bashing Johnson right off the bat. To start with, on uh, Congressman Johnson, given the fact that there appears, at least based on that sound, that there is momentum behind him, is this somebody you believe Democrats can work with across the aisle? Well, good morning. Great to be with you. I don't know uh, Mike Johnson well. Based on his track record, he clears, appears to be uh, an extreme right-wing ideologue. Uh, Mike Johnson wants to criminalize abortion care and impose a nationwide ban. Uh, Mike Johnson was one of the chief architects of trying to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Mike Johnson also wants to end Social Security and Medicare as we know it. Those are extreme views. Uh, and House Democrats will push back aggressively against that. So, yep, they're getting ready to uh, run against Johnson. Again, this is what they think they're going to be able to do. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be a hard sell a little bit because Johnson does not appear offensive. Johnson is very conservative and you can hear him speaking and he seems reasonable. 
He's I mean, even Jake Tapper on CNN last night, who is no friend of the Republicans. Even he was like, yeah, Johnson is is a very articulate guy. Jeffries also is trying to ramp up the rhetoric around January 6th again. I think it's tired. I don't think it's going to work. I think it was for, for a lot of Americans. They want to put it in the rearview mirror and they're tired of this. Here is Jeffries introducing Johnson by comparing January 6th to World War II. There are many throughout this country who are understandably alarmed at the turbulence of the moment, at the chaos, the dysfunction, and the extremism that has been unleashed in this chamber from the very beginning of this Congress. But this, too, shall pass. We faced adversity on September 11th, 2001, when the towers and the Pentagon were unexpectedly struck, killing thousands of lives in an instant. We faced adversity right here in the House of Representatives, when on January 6, 2021, a violent mob of insurrectionists, incited by some in this chamber, overran the House floor as part of an effort to halt the peaceful transfer of power. Again, and this is going to be the line of attack again. So they're just going to keep going back to this well over and over and over again. Again, all Republicans have to do is show some baseline competence here. And that that attack line goes away because nobody's focusing on January 6th. They're focusing on on the things happening right now. By the way, some of those things happening right now. So the U.S. GDP grew at a 4.9% annual clip in the third quarter. That was better than expected, but in some ways really, really problematic because the entire purpose of jacking up the interest rates was to get people to stop spending as much money because that is inflating the currency. And it's also it's leading price inflation. We now have a wage price spiral. People are not saving their money. They are spending their money. According to CNBC, the sharp increase came from contributions from consumer spending, increased inventories, exports, residential investment and government spending. There it is. Consumer spending increased 4% for the quarter after rising just 0.8% in Q2. One of the reasons people are spending so much is because they believe that their dollar is going to be worth less tomorrow than it is today. So you may as well buy that product that you were going to put off for six months. You might as well buy it right now before it doubles in price. Government spending and investment jumped 4.6% as well. The stock market did not jump on this news, which means that everybody still understands that there is another shoe to drop. The other shoe to drop is going to be the inflation stats, which continue to come in hot. And uh, the Federal Reserve is going to have to raise those interest rates again. They're going to have to do it. They don't really have a huge, a huge debate over this, really. According to the Wall Street Journal, to combat high inflation, the Fed has lifted its benchmark federal funds rate to a range between 5.25% and 5.5%, a 22-year high. But the, um, the possibility of the, the economy running this hot is going to probably spur, I would imagine, some talk about the need to raise those interest rates again. So the, the notion, again, that we are out of the economic woods here, I think that, that is, we are way too early for anything like that. We're way too early for anything remotely like that. All right, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be joined by Jeff Rabhan. He's former chairman of the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music at NYU. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us.